Good morning, Renewal. Welcome to another week of our stay-at-home podcast. This morning is Palm Sunday, the Sunday that kicks off Holy Week before Easter. This is a day when we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. If you know the story, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, which fulfilled several prophecies. And his ride into Jerusalem was kind of like a proclamation to the Jews that their deliverer has shown up, their king has come and that their days of oppression are now over. It represented in many ways a fulfillment of what their ancient writings and their prophets had been promising for generations. The promise that God would send a deliverer, that God would send a Messiah, which means anointed one, and that this deliverer would save God's people. This promise was made and this story was told time and again throughout Israel's history. The story is told through Moses and the escape from Egypt, God sending a deliverer to save his people. It's told through Joshua and the conquest of Canaan. It's told a number of times through the book of Judges, where we have been studying the last number of weeks. And up to this point, our study of the book of Judges has been really focused on a lot of Israel's failings, the canonization of God's people, which we mean by that the process of cultural influences from their Canaanite neighbors to where the people of God abandon their worship of Yahweh, and embrace the worship of the gods of Canaan, often namely Baal and Ashtoreth. Uh, But today, I want to not focus on those things. I want to make much of the story of God's promised deliverer. As God would turn the nation of Israel over to the gods that they were choosing to worship, as God would step back and allow their Canaanite enemies to oppress them, every time Israel would sooner or later come to their senses and cry out to Yahweh for help. And the stories tell us that God would hear their cry and that he would raise up a judge who would deliver them from the consequences of their sin. This judge, this deliverer, would save them from the oppression of their neighbors. And and then each time these judges would do this, uh, we know that these stories, their actions and and their lives and their faithfulness to God, it's all pointing forward to Jesus and Jesus' work on the cross as humanity's deliverer. So today we're going to look at the first one of these judges who comes up in Judges chapter 3. And so you can turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 3 and start reading with me from verse 5. Judges 3 verse 5 says, The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. Verse 7, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, for they forgot the Lord their God, and they served the Baals and the Asherahs. And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so he sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. So this part of the chapter is pointing out the problem for us. There's been some intermarrying going on, and as these cultures as the Israelite culture is being blended with these other cultures on a, on a family level, uh, there is also the blending of their religious convictions and their, their values and the gods that they worship. And so God, uh, as his people have turned away from him to worship these other gods, God has taken a step back and allowed this Cushite king of Aram to, uh, to come and rule over them. Verse 9, it says, But when they cried out to the Lord, so the Israelites cry out to the Lord in this place of desperation and oppression, it says, He raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge or leader, and he went to war. 
And the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. And so the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So Othniel is actually introduced way back in the book of Joshua. And there's some really important details that sort of set the stage for this story of Othniel, details that the original audience for the book of Judges would have been very familiar with, but maybe details that uh, some of us might not be as aware of. So uh, there's a connection between Othniel and Caleb, and in the book of Joshua, Caleb, if you recall, is one of the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, two out of 12 spies who were faithful and brought back a good report when they initially sent some people in to spy out the promised land. Uh, Moses sent some spies, 12 of them, into the promised land, and all uh, the first 10 of the spies came back saying, uh, the people are scary, we'll never win, and, and in the end, their testimony swayed the nation of Israel away from going into the promised land and obeying God, and they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years because of it. But there were two spies, Joshua and this man Caleb, who came back with a positive report saying, hey, the land is great, God is on our side, uh, let's take it. And so this same Caleb then uh, pops up uh, towards the end of the book of Joshua. He's a faithful man, and uh, there's a story about him, an inspiring story, where he is asking Joshua for permission to go and conquer the territory that has been allotted to him in the promised land. Caleb, as he's asking Joshua for permission to conquer this territory, he says, hey, I might be 80 years old now, but I still have the strength that I had when I was 40. And he's like, I'm ready to drive the Canaanites out and, and inherit the land with God on my side. And then, and then in, that's in Joshua chapter 14. In Joshua 15, uh, Caleb's got to conquer one more city uh, to fully possess his land. And as he's going to conquer the city, he says, whoever conquers this city is going to get my daughter's hand in marriage. And Othniel, Caleb's nephew, ends up being the one to conquer the city, and he ends up being the one to marry, uh, yes, his uncle's daughter. Yep, his cousin. That happens in the story. So when this detail is first recorded, and maybe you've read it in the book of Joshua, and I know I have, and I kind of read over it, and it's one of those parts of the scripture where I just say, whatever, I don't know why this is important, but I just read it and on to the next chapter. But when we connect that part of the story with the beginning verses of, of the story in Judges chapter 3, we begin to see some insight into the revelation of the character of the deliverer, of the judge who's being raised up. And this is one of the most impactful things that I, I feel that I've learned about Scripture in the last five years, is learning the art of reading the Bible uh, cover to cover and seeing it all as a connected story that points to Jesus Christ, where details that didn't seem to be important can suddenly become very important when they're read in connection with stories that happen later or things that happen later. And uh, if you want more information about that, Tim Mackey is a great Bible teacher. He is a part of the effort that's called the Bible Project, and uh, he's, got, he's just got a great way of kind of breaking down the importance of that, and has been influential in how I view Scripture on that. So Google him if you have time. Anyhow, at the beginning of Judges chapter 3, as we said earlier, the problem is laid out for us in verse 5, as, as the problem begins because there's this intermarrying with the Canaanites. And as there's intermarrying with the Canaanites, family values are becoming uh, corrupted and, and, you know, watered down, if you will, and ultimately the worship of Yahweh is, is 
uh, corrupted by the worshiping of these Canaanite gods. And so, we look back at Othniel, and who did Othniel marry? Did he marry a Canaanite bride like everyone else was doing in Israel at the time? No. He married his cousin. Good job, Othniel. Keeping it in the family. And so, here's a man who, the momentum of society around him is cruising towards a mixing of families and a blending of religious convictions and an equal yoking, to borrow some language from the New Testament. Uh, and in many ways, there's probably a conviction among God's people during all of this time that these, this momentum, these practices are a good thing making peace with their neighbors through intermarrying with him. The new son-in-law might be worshiping some strange gods, but no big deal. There's always room for one more god here. And yet, here's Othniel, the, the deliverer, the man who God would raise up as a judge, and he doesn't fall into the trap that everyone around him is falling into. He's living counter to the momentum of the culture around him. He's a righteous man, even though he is stuck living in a wicked generation. Another way of saying that might be to say that this deliverer is holy. He is not like the others. And at this point in the story, hopefully, everyone is beginning to catch a picture of Jesus Christ. The one who, when men are faithless, he remains faithful. The one who, where all other men would bow to temptation, he stays true to Yahweh. The story of Othniel says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And this is a common phrase in the Old Testament, and we're not entirely sure exactly what the authors are trying to describe when they say that. We don't know maybe what it looked like on the outside or, or exactly what they're trying to communicate, but one thing that we do see is when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon someone in the Old Testament, they become ridiculously empowered to have victory and to accomplish the things that the Spirit of God leads them to do. And so the deliverer of Israel in the story of Judges is someone who is empowered by the Spirit of God to do what God has risen him up to do. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Othniel and he becomes the leader. The Spirit gives Othniel this prominent place in his culture, raises him up, gives him, uh, allows the society around him to recognize him as being one gifted to lead and empowered to lead. And then he leads them to war. Why, why do they go to war? Well, because God's people are being oppressed violently by this King Cushan Rishathaim, uh, which his name actually means a twice evil Cushite. So, I mean, maybe that wasn't his real name. Maybe the author of Judges just, just trying to point out that this is a doubly bad foreign king who has been sowing seeds of violent oppression in Israel for eight years. And God is about to bring this king's violence back on his own head and is going to use those who have been oppressing him to do that and uses Othniel to lead the people out to war. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel and, and it says the Lord handed this king over to Othniel and Othniel overpowered him. He was empowered. He was more mighty than this twice evil king and, and then the land had peace for 40 years and at the end of the story it says Othniel died. Well, what do we know about what happens in the story of Judges when a righteous judge dies in this book? We've already been told what happens back in chapter 2, and I know we've mentioned it before, but I think it's at least worth reading now. Uh, in Judges chapter 2, the narrative says, whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, this is verse 18, says he was with the judge and he would save Israel out of the hands of their enemies as long as that judge lived. 
For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. Then verse 19, it says, But when the judge died, the people would return to their ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, and they would follow other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they would refuse to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. And so then God would turn them over to their enemies again. As we read this account of Israel's history, it really could be argued that according to the book of Judges, the audience of the story at this point is meant to come to the conclusion that what Israel really needs, what they really need is a righteous judge, a righteous leader who is empowered by God's spirit to deliver his people. And then what they really, really need is for this judge to never die. We'll stay tuned for the sermon on the judge who never dies next week on Easter. But as we see the impact that a righteous judge would have on the people, we, these are great results. At least if you're an Israelite, these are great results. And, and what Israel really needs is a good judge who would never die. And, and then looking beyond Israel to the rest of humanity and the trouble that we experience in this fallen world, we can say that what we really need is a righteous judge who can lead us all like the good judges of Israel would lead them. What we all need is a righteous judge who can lead us all like the good judges of Israel would lead them. Of course, the gospel is a story about who that righteous judge is, the person, Jesus Christ. In one of the gospels, there's a story about Jesus before he began his public ministry. Uh, And the story talks about how he was led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. Jesus is described at that point as full of the Holy Spirit, and he goes, out into the wilderness. And I think the word picture that's given for us there, full of the Holy Spirit, it's meant, I think, in many ways to be a reflection of what they're trying, the Old Testament authors are trying to describe with those words, uh, this mystery of of God's Spirit dwelling in unity with God's people and empowering them for uh, what God would call them to do. Anyhow, Jesus goes into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, and then when he comes out after 40 days uh, and nights of fasting and after the temptation from the devil, uh, Luke's gospel says when he came out, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. And then that's where he began his ministry. And so we see that, that like Othniel, we have a deliverer who is full of God's Holy Spirit, who is empowered by God's Holy Spirit to become who it is that God has called him to be. And, and this Messiah, this deliverer, this anointed one In this case, Jesus is chosen by God to save his people. Like Othniel, he becomes a leader, but not one who lords it over those who have been entrusted in his care, but we know that Jesus was a leader who laid down his life for those entrusted into his care. He was a leader who would serve, who would take the lowest position of service possible and wash his people's feet. And Jesus leads his people into war, yes, but only in a sense. Jesus is certainly not a leader who leads his people into war against their oppressive neighbors. Uh, Jesus is a leader who commands his people to battle by loving their enemies, to pray for those who persecute them. He says, if, if someone's forcing you to go with them for one mile, volunteer to go two miles. And as you go into the spiritual battle that is before you, he says, we don't overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good. And so he's a leader who leads his people into war, but he redefines the weapons of our warfare. 
And then through Jesus' submission and his selfless acts, through the goodness that he is fighting with, uh, Scripture tells us that God gave him the name above all names. You know, the Lord is described as handing this twice-evil king over to Othniel. And then in the book of Hebrews, God is described as having handed all things over to Christ, that he has made Jesus the heir of all things, and that through Christ, all things in the universe have been made, and that Jesus has been given a name above all names. At the end of Othniel's success in battle, Israel enjoys a period of peace for 40 years. And yet, as Christ declared, it is finished, we know that he has established and is establishing a peace that is meant to last forever. And not a peace that simply means that our neighbors aren't in conflict with us, but a biblical and divine peace, a peace that, that again, is going to last forever, and that means that all things in heaven and earth are being brought back into reconciliation with God, being brought back into the shalom kind of peace and harmony with God through Jesus Christ. And we know that our deliverer lives forever. There is no worry about what's going to happen when Jesus no longer reigns. Jesus is going to reign forever. There is no end to this happy ending. And there will never again come a time when Christ will surrender to death and leave his people with a leadership vacuum. Because we know he has already faced death, and when he did, death was swallowed up in his eternal life. And so this story of Othniel is a wonderful way to look at who Christ is and what he's done for humanity, and I hope the story inspires you as we move into Holy Week to celebrate Christ for who he is and what he's done and to see him as the most important thing in our lives and and in our world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are a good king, that you are a good deliverer. We thank you that you have won the battle, and we just rejoice that uh, our lives are able to find total security in you and in your ruling over our world. We thank you that you have delivered us from the enemies who persecute us, from sin and death, and that you have redefined our destiny as being one of eternal life, ruling and reigning with you in your kingdom. And so we just rejoice and we say, may your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.